Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter, he's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Today's guest on the Modern Women phone line is Quentin Bivens, Ole Miss Reserve defensive lineman, a guy you probably hadn't heard from all that much, and he's coming up in just a little bit. But first, Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? How's it going? I'm good. How was softball last night? Man, crazy game. So we get <clears throat> we get it we we get up five to nothing. Then they come back and it's eleven to five. Um, we come back to tie at eleven to eleven. And then uh, it went into extra inning, two extra innings, and we had a guy make a diving catch while it was 14 to 14 to save two runs. We go to the bottom half of the inning. We get a leadoff single, a double in the gap that doesn't score the runner. Then Matt Mossberg hits a high fly ball um, to deep left that has caught a guy tags, and we win 15 to 14. We beat Pine Lake Church. It was, it was cool, man. I mean, it, it was really neat. And by the way, Logan Power can still – absolutely crush a ball when it comes over a plate so of any sort so he he it was it was really cool there's a lot of Ole Miss stuff we have to touch on but tell me about this church because your lineup is loaded if they came in and put 15 on you guys or 14 on you guys who did they have well apparently they're one of the better teams they had a bunch of younger kids they had a bunch of guys that were 20 to 22 some Juco baseball players, um, a, a guy named Kyle Thornton that I think used to play here. Um, I think Tupelo kids. So yeah, they, they were kind of for a church, they were low key loaded. So they had some recruiting going on. This league in general is kind of, um, everybody's looking for those, those young baseball players. So I, I went, I went with the old, the older, older branch of players. I grabbed two in Mossberg and Logan power. So, um, we, we, we held up pretty nicely versus the young bucks. How did you do? Um, I did good. I play shortstop, which imagine that a six, eight shortstop. And, um, I had a, I had a triple at a two RBI triple and a, and a couple other, um, couple other little dingers. So what would it take for me to come out there and pinch it for somebody just once, man, I don't know. Our lineup's pretty stacked. We got, some, we got some ball players. So it's, it, there was actually some really hurt feelings when they didn't get the invite to this team. So, um, we, we, we're not super serious, but we certainly aren't playing to lose. 
I grant you, I am not a good softball player. It does not hurt my feelings if you tell me I can't come pinch hit. The only time I've ever had my feelings hurt is when we played golf and I was easily the fourth worst person out of four on that golf course. That was the only time I went, okay, I don't belong here. Yeah, but that was a, that whole miss course is easy though, man. I mean, we, we just looked better that day. I don't think we're really that good at golfers. Oh, see, what a good friend. What a good friend. Way to soften the blow. That was nice <laughs> of you. There's no softening the blow of Tim Elko potentially being hurt for weeks, if not the entire year. Did you watch on Monday night as Ole Miss walloped North Alabama 20-6, to but potentially lost Tim Elko for a significant amount of time, if not the year, with a knee injury? We should find out news after the game when we talk to Mike Bianco. Finding out that news beforehand been a little bit tough to come by. What did you think about all that when you saw it and you heard it and you seen it? Well, I, I didn't. I, I kind of tuned into the game a little later, and by the time I tuned into the game, as I had some stuff going on, um, it was like fourteen to four or something crazy. So I was like, "All right, that one's in hand." Well, um, you know, we get out there warming up for softball, and so a guy that I know real well, big Ole Miss fan as well, he says, "Man, did you hear about Elko um, messed up his knee?" And I was like, "Holy crap!" He said, "It looked like it could have been a, been a potential, you know, season ender." And my first thought was for a team that already kind of struggles offensively, you really take the the one, pretty much the one sure thing out of the middle of the lineup. Kind of kind of disheartening, but at the same time, man, um, the team's just got to step up. You got to have another guy that that comes in there and, and gets extended at bats. Uh, Mike's got to be creative with his lineup, and and I, and I you look at the roster, and we do, we have quite a few guys hitting over three hundred. It's going to be hard to replace a Tim Elko, but um, it just means everybody's going to have to step it up that much more. Look, I appreciate that. And that was a sentiment that I saw a couple of times on the Ole Miss Spirit message board on Monday. But if you asked me, who's the one guy this Ole Miss baseball team cannot lose? It wouldn't have been Gunnar Hoagland. It wouldn't have been Doug Nikhazy. And the only reason why is not because they aren't the best players. They are. Ole Miss has pitching depth. But their very best hitter, most consistent hitter, most damaging hitter is Tim Elko. And to not have Tim Elko, you can't replace that with any one guy, maybe not even two guys. He led the SEC in RBIs, I think. He was second in home runs with nine. Of course, let Ole Miss in both categories, as well as in slugging and OPS. So let's not pretend like if he's down for a significant amount of time, if not the year, that it isn't a huge blow for this team. A huge blow. Because it's not like they have an obvious guy to replace him. Now, the candidates would be Kevin Graham moving back to first base, Maybe you try John Rice Plumlee in center field and then T.J. McCanson left. But there's no obvious guy to replace Tim Elko. There's no obvious guy to step in and back clean up. Because Kale Baker, he hasn't really hit all year. He struck out now 20 times in 38 at-bats. Trey LaFleur does have the most upside, but he hasn't put it together yet. This is a devastating blow. And the question I had, because somebody asked, I think, was, does this change expectations? It has to. Now, a friend of mine who knows all about baseball, it's all he wants to talk to me about, he made a good point. He said, I still think they're an Omaha team. Maybe this takes their national championship contention and dings it a little bit. Okay, I can buy that a little bit. But I'm like with you and as far as how I viewed this offense. I don't think this offense was necessarily as good as the numbers once you start to watch them on an everyday basis because it was very volatile. They could go innings without getting hits and runs. It was those big innings that really inflated those numbers. So it's a definite blow. It's a concerning blow. And it does alter expectations. Now, they can pitch it enough to where it might not matter as far as getting to the postseason and getting potentially to Omaha. But if there was one guy you could not lose, it was Tim Elko. And for it to happen the way it did, just brutal. An absolutely brutal blow because he was trying to avoid the first baseman for North Alabama, who'd kind of laid out to corral an errant throw from third. And then he gets his legs twisted up, lands awkwardly on his knee, can't put any pressure on it. He did finally as he's going to the dugout, but then they did all the ACL tests that you see. And he comes into the dugout later, and he's wearing that big old brace, and he's on crutches. And that dugout looked a little solemn. They were giving him hugs. And if you give him hugs, and you could tell the news isn't good. And I got a text from someone who would know who said, just simply, it's bad. We don't know what the official word is. The MRI was today, Tuesday, as we're recording. We don't know the results of that MRI as we're recording. Maybe it's come out. I'm not sure yet. I haven't checked. But if it is bad, if it is season-ending, 
the one guy. And it reminds me a lot, and you're going to maybe scoff at this, it reminds me a lot of when Laquan went down against Auburn, derailing that team. I'm not saying it's going to derail Ole Miss baseball because they have the pitching to make up for it. And momentum is the next day's starting pitcher, always in baseball. But it could have that kind of impact as far as what this team can do over the long haul of this season. And it sucks because this kid was in his draft-eligible year. He was having a breakout year again. The absolute worst time and worst player to go down. Yeah, certain, certainly a huge blow for, for Ole Miss baseball. It goes without saying. Um, you know, it's, it's going to really be hard to, to replace that production in the middle of the lineup. Um, but, I mean, at, at the end of the day, man, I mean, we, we have a bunch of talent. Guys got to step up. And it's a, it, it, in my opinion – it's, it's all about pitching. And as long as our pitching is, is the way it's been and, and it continues to produce, it's always going to give us a chance. Now it certainly ha- helps having an Elko in the middle of the lineup, but maybe, maybe Bianco switches, um, switches his style of play a little bit. Maybe, maybe you go a little bit more small ball. Maybe you go with a little bit um, faster lineup or whatever, but um, they're going to have to figure that out. Um, you know, one guy certainly isn't, isn't going to hold the whole team back. But, um, yeah, I mean, as long as the pitching's there and as, as long as, um, you know, you, you have a couple guys step up to kind of fill it in, um, I still see as, a, as being, a, you know, having a chance down the stretch. But, yeah, losing Elko is, is, certainly a, um, is certainly a blow. What it does do is put far more pressure on Kevin Graham to continue to do what he's done, which is, I think, reach base in 21 straight games. I don't know what the hit streak's up to at this point. But Hayden Leatherwood, who was supposed to be one of their middle-of-the-order guys coming into the year, now you have to start performing like that guy. He hasn't been that guy so far. So far, I think his OPS is under 700. So now you have to be that guy. Now, John Rice Plumley, I'm curious if he's going to get the first crack at things of being that guy inserted into the lineup, mainly because when he has hit the ball, he's done damage. His OPS is really strong. So maybe giving him a two-week run would be the right way to do it. Maybe it's Trey LaFleur. I don't know if there's a perfect answer, but right now, as you're in the heart of SEC play, with Arkansas, who you're tied with, atop the SEC West coming in this weekend, it just sucks. It just absolutely sucks. Especially to come in that game, the way it did. And of course, there is a lot of conversation about why was he in the game to begin with, and I get that to a point. I do. I do wonder why he was in that game. But that's hindsight being 2020. I'm not going to blame Mike Bianco and his decision to have Tim Elko in that game when he was going to remove him after that at bat for the reason why Tim Elko suffered a fluke injury. That's just completely unfair. These things happen in baseball, fluky things like this. It's just terrible, absolutely terrible that it happened to their most valuable hitter, the one guy. How many times have we seen this in Ole Miss history, too? Going into a year or during a year, the one guy almost can't lose for this sport. I can't remember how many years ago it was, but for one particular almost football team, when DT Shackelford went down in the spring, the one guy they couldn't lose was DT Shackelford, and they lost him to an ACL injury. I don't know if Laquan was necessarily the one guy they couldn't lose, but what happened the next week when they didn't have Laquan? They got their ass beat at Arkansas. So many times in Ole Miss history, you've seen this. Ole Miss loses a guy it absolutely couldn't afford to lose, and it drastically changed what that team was or where that team ended up at the end of the year. Yeah, I've been a, I've been a part of one of these teams before. Whenever we were we were eleven and one, and Carson Palmer tears his ACL, and we were actually absolutely on fire, and it certainly. Um, you know, we ended up winning that game that day, and it felt like a loss. And the same way when then the, we going to lose Tyron Matthew the very next year on the run, uh, which those were two two one guys on each side of the ball that, that you that you couldn't lose. And it's it's a deflating feeling. I mean, it really is. The the team knows. I mean, everybody knows who their guy is when they come out onto the field or they're they're in the huddle that that you kind of you kind of look at and you lean on as a leader. And I think Elko is one of those guys. And um, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a crappy blow. It's you know, for all the years I've been Ole Miss fans, I feel like that, um, you know, this is just another day being an Ole Miss fan. You know, you're, you're going to get, we've just, some of the breaks that you get here are, are unfortunate. It's really hard to not echo what I've seen all over social media, message boards. The We Are Ole Miss moniker, it lives. It lives. Last year, 
Ole Miss baseball had its best team potentially ever. Its two best players, Anthony Servideo and Tyler Keenan, were performing at All-America levels. Actually, Anthony Servideo was on pace, potentially, to be college baseball's player of the year. And Tyler Keenan, being a generational talent, a generational hitter for Ole Miss, one of the best to ever come through, he was doing what he always does. And they were 16-1. and Gunnar Hoagland was taking his step to becoming what he is now. Doug Nikhazy was doing his thing. Derek Diamond was dynamic as a freshman. Everything was in place for Ole Miss to not just get to Omaha, but potentially win a national championship. And that team, to a man, believed there was no chance that they weren't going to win a national championship. Now, of course, baseball, it's a strange game. Weird things happen. Luck is involved. So obviously, they couldn't have decided by themselves whether or not they were going to win a national championship. But they had that belief, and then that gets cut, gets postponed, and ultimately canceled due to a generational pandemic. And then the next year, with those two guys, understandably so, obviously so, going to Major League Baseball as drafted guys in a five-round MLB draft, now you come into this year knowing that Tim Elko has to be one of those guys that steps in for the production loss with Tyler Keenan and Anthony Servideo, and he's one of the ones lost? You just can't write this stuff. You cannot write this stuff. In a game, North Alabama, that didn't matter, that Ole Miss was beating the crap out of. And yet, Ole Miss won 20-6 to and let out a lot of frustration and disappointment from the series loss at Florida against poor North Alabama. Up 10 to nothing after two innings. For it to happen at any point is terrible and unfortunate and certainly gives more credence to we are all missed stuff. But then for it to be, what, 20 to 4 in the middle of that game? That's just everything about this is absolutely awful. It's just absolutely awful. And Tim Elko is the best kind of dude, too. A two-time team captain. Everybody loves him. The media, he's great to the media. He's great to the fans. He's just an absolute dynamic person, let alone a dynamic baseball player. I just hope for the best, but I'm expecting the worst. That's all I can say. I'm hoping for the best. Because if it's the worst, God, what a blow that's going to be. Yeah, unfortunate. But, um, you know, hopefully hopefully Bianco talks to the team. I mean, first off, we got to get the MRI back, which, you know, we're assuming is going to be bad. Um, but you wait and see there before we get too crazy. And then secondly, Bianco's got to talk to his team and just let them know, man, like, you know, somebody's got to step up, you know, we've lost Tim. It is what it is, but you can't sit there and pout over it. We have Arkansas coming in and, and, um, you know, you, you mess around and let that roll over into your mindset and, and, and your mood going into that weekend, you're going to turn around and you're going to get swept. And that's, that, that's, that's the truth to it. Um, you know, the game's going to be played, uh, whoever's available to play has got to play it. So, um, you know, the rest of the guys need to step up and get ready because we still have a, a, a you know, two, two crazy SEC series coming up back-to-back that I think is a turning point in the season. I think you look at um, you look at Arkansas and Mississippi State coming up. I mean, that you, you can mess around and win those two series. You're, you're on pace to potentially win in the, win the SEC. So, um, yeah, two big series coming up. we gotta, we got to put this behind us. W- whatever they come out and say, you got to accept it and move on. If, if it's good news, it's good news. If it's bad news, it's bad news. But – um, the games are going to be played as scheduled, so um, show up ready with the right mindset. That's such an athlete mindset. That's why I love having you as the co-host of this podcast. Because, see, I'm like a lot of Ole Miss fans right now as far as, man, I'm reading the very worst of it, thinking, God, man, how terrible of a blow. You coming from former player perspective saying, all right, well, yep, rally the troops. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, there, there's really no other way to put it, Ben. I mean, you got to think about it, man. I mean, the games are going to go play. You can't. You can't let this injury beat you for the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, I mean, the games are going to be played, and there, there's it just is what it is at that point. You know, um, Tim's going to be fine. He's going to recover. Um, you know, no matter what it is, it's certainly certainly he'll he'll be back healthy at some point. So, um, yep, got to show up and play, man. I mean, there's there's no other way about it. You can't lay down, especially you're still in great position. I mean, you're you're leading the, the SEC West. Um, you, st- you still got everything right in front of you, even with the crappy injury. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet, Quentin Bivens, Ole Miss defensive lineman. It's coming up on the Modern Women phone line in about 20 minutes or so. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Let me tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. 
a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Finally, at long last, Oxford is getting back to normal. The sun is shining. Those dreary winter months, they're behind us. Better yet, you actually get to experience Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What a world. What better way to get there than in a new car, truck, or Jeep? The only place to go for your next vehicle is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. They'll take care of you. And I know, because I've bought a car there myself. And the experience was too easy. Seamless, even. Their only goal is to get you in the vehicle you've always wanted at a good price. So reach out today. Don't wait. Give them a call. 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's 2201 East University Avenue. Just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Sheep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. So this weekend on Saturday, I was tasked with double duty, baseball, and going to the football scrimmage. I wasn't expecting to. And there's a lot of things, and look, I'm not a football expert, but there's a lot of things that I took away from it. First being how much fun it was and how great it was to be around so many fans in the sun at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. That's the first time I've been in the stadium in two years. So to be back there to be watching football live, man, what a welcome, welcome sight it was. And Ole Miss fans were having a good time. About 500 or so were there. And the Ole Miss coaches and players, the way they interact with each other, was the first time I'd seen it. And the vibe is totally different. They have a ton of fun out there on the practice field. And I don't know if it means anything, but from a fan and media perspective, it's cool to see how they interact. Wilson Love is absolutely insane, and I love it. The guy just gets them hyped regardless of whether they're feeling up for practicing or not, they're going to after they get their first dose of Wilson Love. But there were a bunch of takeaways from Saturday, and the first thing I want to touch on is you were right about a lot of stuff that's happening out there. First and foremost, Dennis Jackson is going to be a big part of this offense if what is happening currently, which is him running with the first team, scheming plays for him, continues to go down that road. But one guy I was impressed with in particular, Quay Davis, made a lot of big plays on Saturday. Now, Ole Miss offensively is very shorthanded. They didn't have Jacor Pearson, Braylon Sanders, Ben Brown, Casey Kelly. I could keep going. They didn't have a lot of guys. But Quay Davis was running the slot with Dontario Drummond and your boy Dennis Jackson on the outside. And he was making a lot of plays. Offensively, they didn't score a touchdown in 15 drives. But if you want to take away highlights, Quay Davis was one. Did you see that from him at all? Had you been seeing any of that from him in your time at spring football practices? So uh, I've had mixed mixed feelings on Quay. Um, what I've gathered so far in talking to some guys is he's, he's really playing catch up when it comes to the scheme. And um, there's there's times where when, when he knows what he's doing, he can go full speed. He looks good. And there's times where you know, he looks a little lost. But, yeah, I mean, the, the talent is there, though. You can see his um, – his run after the catch ability. I, I know they like that. I don't think he has blazing speed, but I think he's one of those um, catch and make you miss guys. And, and he'll certainly have a role. I just think he's right now he's really playing, playing that catch up and try, trying to, you know, get just like most of the other young guys. I mean, he's a Juco guy, but he hasn't been a part of this offense. And, and, and he's, he's, that's just like being a freshman. Now, physically, he's going to be a little better than the freshman, but mentally he's still on the same level as them. And it, it's just up to him whether or not he can, he can catch on. But, I do know that the wide receiver, this is the wide receiver coach's guy. I mean, he, he stuck his neck out for him and um, you know, he, he's definitely working with him and, and pretty tough on him trying to, trying to catch him up to speed. Kentrell Bullock at running back. He stood out. Eli Acker at right guard. He stood out. Jeremy James was again, manning right tackle. As you said, he would be doing looked fine. I didn't really pay attention to him. I don't pay attention to the offensive line on a down to down basis like Bradley Sal does. But from what I saw, my very, very amateur point of view, they look fine. Um, defensively is where I was really impressed. However impressed you can be after one practice. Jamon Gordon and Isaiah Eitan were both out there, and both of those guys made plays. Jamon Gordon got a sack. Isaiah Eitan got, I think, one or two sacks. Very disruptive. They're running a 3-4 base, but really, I think that's to cover up their lack of linebacker talent. Not that their linebackers aren't necessarily good. They're not bad. Jacquez Jones is fine. 
Momo Sonogo is fine. Lakia Henry is fine. But their real talent is on the back end, which is crazy to think. But if you ever go out there this spring, if you go out there this Saturday for the scrimmage, if you go out for the Grove Bowl, you'll see it. The secondary looks completely different. And your analysis of Miles Battle as a cornerback, I don't necessarily agree with you as far as a first-round cornerback potentially, but running with the first team, he was definitely running with the first team. And the most interesting move for me was Keydron Smith, the most veteran cornerback on this roster, was playing middle field safety. And they've got so many guys out there that they're experimenting with. DeAndre Prince, Ja'Cory Hawkins, they were running second team. Jalen Jones was back with the first team at cornerback. Otis Reese is starting. Jacob Springer is starting. Tysheem Johnson, the freshman safety, he's already pushing to start. He's definitely with the second team. He was getting some run with the ones. Markevious Brown, the freshman cornerback, he almost had a pick six, broke on a dig route that Kincaid Dent kind of floated over there to the far side of the field, almost broke on it and got a pick six. This back end, this secondary looks so much different. Yeah, the, the, the talent the talent secondary popped off to me right away. Um, they're, they're extremely deep. You talk about the, um, the, the O-line. I think, I think if you look at Jeremy James and, and Aker, they both have extremely, extremely impressive frames. I think they're, both of them are like a little ways off on their body. But but they're they're already very serviceable w- with what they are now. But that those are two guys that can grow into being very very good football players for for Ole Miss. Um, they're both athletic. They both they're, they're both like kind of a um, you know a little bit slender right now. But um, you know I think as time goes on, because since they're both young, I think they're going to develop into two really good players. Aker has a really good build. I mean he is um, he's, he reminds me of Anthony Costanzo, who was kind of a, a quarterback and. And um, in college, and kind of end up going to BC, then getting getting bigger, and just he just built. He, he'll put on weight very well. Um, yeah, and then, then then you talk about Miles Battle, man. I mean, listen, I, I saw him running with the ones, and um, you know, which was kind of surprising. But if a guy that's six foot three, if he can run well and he has a productive season, he's got his name will shoot up higher than than, than anybody you've seen at Ole Miss. Um, you know, from from going from from what he was to to what he could be, just based off his frame alone. If he's a serviceable player, he's going to he's going to have some real buzz around him. Here's the thing about the defensive line, and this is nothing like shitting on a player on his way out, because I don't want to do that about Ryder Anderson. But even if Ryder had stayed, I don't know if he's going to play all that much for this defensive line, because he doesn't really fit what they're doing. They've got three down linemen. Jamon Gordon was playing defensive end. Sam Williams was the other defensive end. Isaiah Iden was a defensive end. The nose was KD Hill. I don't know where Ryder plays in this 3-4 because in a 3-4, and correct me if I'm wrong because I might be completely wrong here, defensive ends in a 3-4 are bigger-bodied guys that are super athletic. That's what you're looking for in a 3-4 defensive end. Not that Isaiah Iden and Jamon Gordon, not that they are Richard Seymour, but that's what you're looking for. That's the body type that you're looking for. And I can see already the renewed depth, the replenished depth with this defensive line that they did not have last year, where it was such a struggle to get to the quarterback. It might still be a battle to get to the quarterback, but when you think about Quentin Bivens as a backup defensive end, when you think about Isaiah Eight and Jamon Gordon providing depth or a starter, Sam Williams won't be by himself. Demon Clowney looks like he's added good weight. Brandon Mack, we were told, has added 15 solid pounds in the offseason. Now you're starting to develop the depth that they just did not have last year. Not even close to any kind of depth like this. Now, we'll see if it's SEC quality depth once the games are played. But right now, they look really salty. Now the offense is shorthanded. But defensively, I can see where they could take a step. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think you're right with Ryder Anderson. I think that he's more of a four down um, D lineman, um, but he he was a part of that defense last year that was that was fairly bad. So, I mean, losing him, I don't think hurts whatsoever. And I think you're right. I think what they're shifting to is more of a three down, which which a lot of times in three down, your <clears throat> your DNs play play head up in a four eye, and that allows a guy like Sam Williams to stand up and and, and maybe another another really athletic outside linebacker and rush the passer. And um, not only that, cover the flat. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that these two – I did not – I got to see the two Juco guys on the side running around, which is amazing how much of a – how much they look like twins. I mean, I'm talking like build, look, everything. They look you the would thought, exact same. You would thought there's twin brothers at Ole Miss. I mean, it's unbelievable. But they um, 
yeah, I mean, I think those two are going to provide good depth. And, and, and th- those guys kind of fit fit a three down, to be honest with you, as long as you have a decent-sized nose. They're, they're quicker ends that, that can um, that can line up wide and beat guards, and they can also line up and beat tackles head up. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that you, you see a total switch. And, and then having so many guys in the secondary, they're going to have to fit in. I mean, you can bring Otis Reese in the box. You can bring, you know, you, you, you're, there's multiple guys. You, you want a lot of DBs out there. So, because um, that, that's going to be the strength. That's where a lot of our athletes are. So Jacob Springer can come down to the box on blitzes and stuff. I mean, it, it's going to be a pretty athletic, creative defense, but I think they're really trying to get as many people in their secondary out on the field as they can. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what I was getting to earlier about the linebackers. The reason why they're only using two true linebackers is because Otis Reese is effectively a linebacker in the scheme. Or Jacob Springer can come down and play the box like a linebacker. Both of those guys are hybrid safeties. They're not middle field safeties. Keydron Smith as a middle field safety is fascinating to me, if that's where he ends up playing. I was just shocked to see that he'd moved. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really notice it at first, um, the first time I went out there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a great athlete. And, um, you know, I think it just shows what kind of depth we have, um, you know, around them where they feel comfortable in doing something like that. It's just nuts to me. That's the most veteran cornerback, not named Jalen Jones, but Jalen Jones has moved from safety to cornerback, and he's playing middle field safety. If that works, look, he's an NFL body type to me. He's a big corner. He could be a big safety. He's got ball skills. He's an NFL player, potentially. To be moving as a junior, man, that is fascinating. Or senior. I don't know what Keydron is at this point. Look, man, I've kind of lost track with all the COVID years. So, whatever Keydron is, he's a veteran. He's in his draft-eligible year. Whatever he ends up playing, that's going to be a storyline to follow for me. What seemed obvious, too, again, I am no expert, but what did also seem obvious, Ole Miss does not have its tight end or its kicker on campus. No, I I, I certainly don't think they have their tight end on campus. I think that um, even if they have to reach down the stretch, they have got to bring in an older guy, an an older body, and I think that they're they're going to. Um, if they don't, that could be a real, that could be a real problem for us because Lane, Lane has, if you look at for the last couple of years, Lane's had a tight end, had a good tight end. So that's a huge part of his offense. And, um, I don't think it's going to be hard getting one in here, but I think there's certainly going to be one to God, you know, they're going to, they're going to have to go out and find one. And I think they do find one. Hudson Wolf is obviously the long-term solution at tight end, but he can't practice right now because of his back. So Without him, you're talking about Jonathan Hess running with the first team. Luke Knox has been moved to tight end. He was running at times with the second team. I don't know what they're going to do unless it is add a tight end. Or Casey Kelly comes back and he's the starter. But ideally, you find someone. And I think they're going to scour every single possible avenue to find a guy. Because I just don't think... Even with Hudson Wolf and what he could ultimately be for Ole Miss in the future, I just don't think they have enough on campus to make up for the production loss with Kenny Yabo. He was the number two option behind Elijah Moore. Now, a lot of that had to do with there was unproven talent around both of those guys. But Braylon Sanders coming back, Ontario Drummond, he's done it now. Dennis Jackson could be taking a step. Jonathan Mingo, he'll be coming back. He's hurt right now. Quay Davis, Jacor Pearson, you have options at wide receiver, but tight end, like you said, in Lane Kiffin's offense, is one of the most critical positions on the field. A lot of what they do is predicated on the tight end commanding a lot of attention. And there's not a tight end, even with the options on campus that do have upside, like Hudson Wolf, there's not a tight end on campus that if you plug them in right now, they're commanding a ton of the defense's attention, like Kenny Yaboa did. Yeah, well, if there's two things that that almost that that a Lane Kiffin offense has to have, that's a good slot receiver and a tight end. I mean, that, that's just that I think a lot of lot of Kenny Yaboa and, and Elijah's you know production last year was was to the simple fact of one, they're really good players, they're going to be drafted, and two, this scheme is 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 a lot like you know Chiefs, other 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 teams that really use their slot. And they're tight in for mismatches, and that's that. That's what Lane's Lane's offense is built around. And I, I don't think you want to go into this season with a with a potentially injured freshman, 
and it's a bunch of kind of kind of pieced together bodies behind him. You got to bring in. I, I wouldn't be surprised they didn't bring in two guys um, to two older guys, and, and, and then you have the freshman that that can kind of chip in as well, and maybe later in the year he comes on. But um, yeah, I mean, we cer- certainly got to have got to have a guy there. Look, I went to Saturday trying to pick apart all of your analysis just because it makes for fun podcast fodder, not because I think I'm in any way in your league as far as football knowledge. I'm not. I just wanted to poke fun at you on the podcast. But you were right. Dontario Drummond, his hands, he high-pointed two balls, one of which was overthrown over the middle by Matt Corral and Danish Jackson. They were scheming for Danish Jackson. They want to get Danish Jackson involved in this offense. That was very much obvious on Saturday, even with the offense not performing particularly well. Dennis Jackson is somebody, it looks like they believe, can not only impact the offense in the obvious ways, but stretch the defense unlike other options currently at their disposal at wide receiver. Nobody is better suited to do it of the wide receivers than Dennis and Braylon Sanders. Braylon's done it before, but Dennis, he's the one that's out there. So he's the one that's benefiting from the reps. And another obvious thing, Kincaid Dent is without question the number two quarterback. And here's the deal with my assessment of Kincaid Dent. In a pinch, perfectly suitable, perfectly fine. You will not be hurt by Kincaid Dent going to a game. He can run the offense. He can do it effectively. He's a little inaccurate, but the live arm is there. He is not a long-term solution. That's Luke Altmaier. But there is value in being a really good number two, and I think Kincaid Dent has obviously secured that position. He is without a doubt the number two. Even if you factor in John Rice Plumley as a football player again, once he and Lane Kiffin sit down in the summer, John Rice Plumley, if God forbid something happened to Matt Corral in the game, he is not going to be the guy going in at quarterback. Luke Altmaier is not going to be the guy going in at quarterback because the problem with Luke Altmaier, at least from what I saw, was. He gets stuck on his first and second read, which is what young quarterbacks do. And once he does get past his first and second, he gets a little feet happy in the pocket, gets to moving around, gets to getting panicky a little bit in the pocket. Kincaid Dent has control of the offense. He knows where the ball is supposed to go. So we can have all these conversations about who's backing up, truly backing up Matt Corral. The answer is all but decided. It's all but been made. It's Kincaid Dent. Yeah, that, that, that's that's the way it appears in practice. I mean, and then looking at Kincaid live, I mean, he has a pretty live arm. Um, now, it, now, to be honest, if, if Matt Crow goes out, and it's not, let's not make any mistake. No, about they're, it, screwed. We're screwed. they're screwed. We're screwed. Ole Miss football screwed. Let's just call it the way it is. Now, now, what I think would happen, I, I really think they're going to try to protect Altmaier is what's going to happen, unless you're – you feel like he's that good and, you know, we have a chance to, to, you know, compete down the stretch, but you don't throw him out there and ruin his confidence right away. You let him learn this year, you let him get his body right. And then, you know, maybe, maybe he comes in as a redshirt freshman and has growing pains and, and gets a year underneath his belt, but you're not throwing that kid out there over, over a John Rice or a, or a Kincaid Dent. I, I honestly even think if, if it wasn't Dent, um, you know, say, say if Dent were to go in to get hurt, I think John Rice would even go in at quarterback. I really do. Just from the simple fact, if you're down that far, you don't you don't waste all, a year for you don't waste a year of eligibility for Altmaier on top of you don't throw him in there and him him get destroyed if he's not ready and then and then you mess mess him up for the future mentally. Yeah, he's the long term solution at quarterback. Kincaid Dent is the number two quarterback. But there you go. I went to practice. I do not have the expertise of Bradley Sal. It is fun though to overreact to two practices. You have the Brad practice. You have the Ben practice. Brad has far better breakdowns than I do. I don't know what the hell I'm looking at. But it was fun to be out there. And again, being in the sunshine with Ole Miss fans in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, sports do feel like they're back. They feel like they're back finally. It feels like everything is returning to normal, at least partially. And um, to see the way the coaches interacted with the players and the way they ran practices, it's much different. It's much different than the previous staff. Let's just put it that way. Not that the previous staff was dull, but this staff, there's a lot more energy. I mean, Quentin Bivens is going to talk about it in just a second. There's a lot of energy. It's nonstop energy. They go in, they work efficiently, they work fun, and they get done. There's not long, drawn-out practices. It's an hour and a half, two hours. And they're moving from spot to spot. It's all super hyper-competitive. It's all super hyper-energy, led by Wilson Love, who's a nutcase, and it's great. 
it was really fun to see. It was interesting to see because I hadn't seen it yet. And to be able to go out there and see it, if you're an Ole Miss fan, I would encourage you to do so. I would encourage you to go, if you can, to a Saturday scrimmage or go to the Grove Bowl because you'll see it too. It's a very much different type of atmosphere. you got Lane Kiffin letting his coaches do their coaching, and he's off to the side as they're running through individual drills, throwing footballs to his son and his daughters. He's just hanging out. And then when it came scrimmage time, now Lane Kiffin's stepping in and he's doing his thing. It's a totally different dynamic. It is really interesting to follow. Yeah, well, when you have a good, as good assistant coaches as we have here, I think that um, part of the deal was that that's that's why Lane brings those kind of guys in where he can let them kind of do their thing and kind of kind of come in there whenever he needs to or whenever it's time to go live. But yeah, you're right, man. I mean, that they run a really efficient practice. Um, not, not a whole lot of wasted BS drills like a lot like a lot of coaches try to do. Um, that they're out there working on the things that they're going to do. They're out there working on their bread and butter. They're, they're, they're not, they're not doing senseless stuff that, and keeping the guys out there for three, three and a half hours, um, working on shit that, that doesn't matter and doesn't get you better at what you're going to be doing on game day. So I was really impressed. It's ran a lot like an NFL practice, which with Lane having that background, I'm not surprised, but, um, yeah, you just have some really good coaches working with the guys and, um, there, the, this is certainly easy to see right away. It was easy to see why Ole Miss made a little bit of a jump this year because you're out there working on things that matter and not, not, not wasting the kids time and getting, getting the most out of them. Cause I mean, you, you at some point you're going to lose focus. This is with everything in life. You can't just keep them out there, beating them down and, and you're just going to lose focus, but they're out there working on really good stuff. And, um, the, the guys get the most out, out of their hour and a half to two hours. A little over two weeks left in spring football practices. What are the things you're going to be keeping an eye on the most? I I, I think whenever I go back out there, I'm really going to focus on um, some more of the D line. I, I, I did not get a chance to see the um, the JUCO guys in action. I want to see what they look like to get an assessment of them, and um, j- just kind of who else. And I think right now what you're seeing on offense is so there's some there's some starters that are out. And, and what guys can step up and, and, and while they're getting their opportunity to do the guys take advantage of this opportunity. And, um, I mean, I, I still think that running back Bullock or, um, I think, yeah, I think it's Bullock. I mean, he's, he always looks so talented to me. He's, he's a guy that's getting a good opportunity. So is Snoop, um, you know, some of the receivers, I, I really want to see who's going to keep, um, keep producing and, and try to make themselves a role because you look at a Dennis so far and he's gotten to the point to where he's, you know, showed some really good speed. Um, you know, showed a lot of stuff, and he's starting to get some stuff schemed for him. So that, that's a guy that I did not expect to be to be talking about in the spring. That now we're talking about. Kentrell Bullock is taking advantage of an opportunity made by also Henry Parrish being out with injury. He was out on Saturday, and Kentrell Bullock he ran like he knew it. In the first drive, they got down to the eight, and a couple of his big runs were the reason why. Now they stalled out, and had to settle for a Kell Nation field goal, but Kentrell Bullock he knows that there's an opportunity for him. So I'm with you, watching to see who's taking advantage of the opportunity presented to them. Because this team is, is much more deep. It's deeper. You can see it. The depth defensively, especially. Offensively, they're shorthanded right now, but you know the offense is going to perform. I want to see a defense against a shorthanded Ole Miss offense dominate. And that's what they did on Saturday. Because that tells you that they could really take a step. Quentin Bivens will be a big part of that. He's coming up here in a second on the Modern Women phone line. Real quick, Nasir Brooks, a seven-foot center, committed to Ole Miss basketball on Monday. And you might be wondering, how does he fit? He's the first in a three-man checklist for Kermit Davis and staff. They're going to change the way they run things offensively. They're going to do a little bit more of an up-tempo style. Go a little faster pace. Not that half-court slog that you saw. He fits in on the baseline dunker spot. But defensively, that's where he brings the most value as a rim protector. Two years ago at Cincinnati, before he transferred to Miami, he was the conference player of the year defensively. So rim protector, rebounding, and dunking. That's what they want out of him. What comes next? Finding a four that can score. Jamin Brakefield, that would be that guy. And then a guard, a dynamic guard that can score from three. I don't know what's going to happen with Myron Jones. Heck, something might have happened as we recorded this. But for now... That's where he fits. It's a big addition. The first big need checked off the checklist for Kermit Davis and Steph. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit. OMSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. 
Going now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Ole Miss defensive lineman Quentin Bivens. Before we do, got to say bye to Brad. See you, buddy. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. Let's hear from B&A Bank and Cheney's Pharmacy. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman Phone Line is Ole Miss defensive lineman Quentin Bivens. Quentin, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate you coming on. How's spring so far? Oh, it's going good. Just focus on like my pad level and like the violence of my hands. Well, it's interesting for you, man, because every single year it seems like you've taken another step. 2019 was a big year for you in a reserve role. 2020, you built on that, especially in the Outback Bowl, getting that big play on fourth and 18. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But do you feel like you're getting closer and closer? to that breakout season you've been working towards as an Ole Miss Rebel? Oh, yes, sir. Like, with this new coach, Coach Joyner, like, he pushing us to our, like, to our very top. So, like, we just working on a lot of stuff that we were last year. Randall Joyner was added in the offseason from SMU. What's been the biggest difference under him so far, do you think? It's like, he just motivated us to, like, to do better. Like, he just don't want like, to, like, settle like, for nothing, you know what I'm saying? So, like, we just working on a lot of pass rush. Stuff we ain't used to doing. You just, like, bringing that other stuff to us. I was out there on Saturday for the scrimmage, and I am by no means a football expert here, Quinn. But it did look like there was a different vibe with this group, not just the coaches and the players, but with the overall talent, how y'all are playing. I don't think y'all gave up a touchdown in 15 drives to that offense. Is there a different vibe, a different confidence a different way about this defense so far in spring that you sense? Yes, sir. It's way different. He, he's younger, more energetic. It's just, like, he just wants to do good, like, do great in life. He wants to, he built our character and built us as a player, too. Defensively, as a group, what do y'all take away the most from last year, do you think? Uh, I think we need to stop the run more. Like, we... Like, when we, if we do that and leave a team one-dimensional, then we'll be better. What went wrong last year if you had to pick one particular area? If there was just one, I guess. Uh, I really can't put a touch on that. I don't know. Well, I ask because it seems like y'all did make improvement as the year went on, capped by a really good effort in the Outback Bowl. Did y'all get better at the end? Yeah, that's all we can build on, especially Indiana. Like, that was a big game for us, so we had to go out there and go hard. 
Well, in the Outback Bowl, you got that big play on 4th and 18 that ended the game, the quarterback pressure. Look, I've been covering you since 2018, your entire Ole Miss career. Is that the biggest moment so far for you? Because it was certainly the perfect moment to have the biggest play of your career, if that is the biggest play of your career so far. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was like a big moment for me. Like, I, I split a double team on pass, so when I got there, I just – I don't know. I just got happy. Rushing the quarterback seems to better suit what you do well than maybe just lining up as a reserve backup nose tackle or defensive tackle. And it looks like so far in this 3-4, you're playing a lot of defensive end. Is that fair? Is that fair to say that you're better suited for defensive end? Uh, it, for, for me, it's, like, it's pretty much the same thing. Like, it's, it's really the same. But, like, inside, it's, it's just you got to – have a better base than outside, something like that for me. I mentioned it. I've been covering you since you were just a prospect from Waynesboro. Is it strange to be one of the old heads of this team? Does it feel that way for you yet? Um, I'm like, I'm trying to get out my character and like motivate other guys. Like things like I didn't get when I was like coming into college. Like, I want to give to the other guys, like try to help them do, do better. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I just want to, like, be more energetic. Like, you know, just be a better team player overall. That's the thing. You've got that experience of coming in as a wide-eyed freshman, not knowing what to expect, and then getting thrown into the fire. If you could give any of these guys advice, if you could go back and give yourself advice when you first arrived at Ole Miss about how to adjust, what would that advice be? Uh, I tell myself get in the weight room, uh, gain weight, work on my hands, eyes, feet. Uh, I tell myself to like, don't quit, just keep going. Like, if you do something bad, just know you, something better gonna happen. The upper trajectory of this program, winning five games, winning the Outback Bowl, being in every single game you played last year. I talked to Jacques. He said the expectation for next year. Is the college football playoff? Do you feel the same way? Is that the expectation? Yeah, I feel like that too. Like, if everybody just do their job, like our defense coordinator says, like we can go farther than making the playoffs. So we can probably go to the next championship. A national championship, Quentin. You know, if you say that, or having said that, Ole Miss fans are going to be fired up. Now you're raising the bar even higher. That's one thing I'm going up last year. Like you said, what? Well, uh, we could have did better last year. I think we would have did our, like, everybody just do their job. It, it would be way better. You've got a lot of newcomers to help out, specifically Jamon Gordon, Isaiah Iton on the defensive line. How have they come in and helped? What have you seen from them so far? How have they adjusted as two guys that could make an immediate impact? Uh, Jamon, like, he fit in. He, he's got physical hands. He read his keys good. Uh, I, Isaiah, I, he just, he's big body. He's strong, physical. Just never work on a little feet work or whatever. But they, they come along very good. With that influx of talent with those two new guys in Iton and Jamon Gordon, is the competition, in your opinion, pretty obviously different? There's a new level to it? Yeah, every day of competition. Like, we just motivate each other to go hard. Like, to like, like we bet on who gonna make the play. We just want to like be great overall. Last year, when did y'all know that y'all had something pretty special? Five and five, won the Outback Bowl. But was there a moment, a game that y'all realized this is different? This is not like the previous two years. Uh, like, like culture. Like when Kevin came, he just fixed our culture, and like it's just. It's way funner. It's just different. Like, it's just different. I was at the scrimmage on Saturday and obviously noticing Jamon Gore and Isaiah Iton, but also some freshmen like Markevious Brown, Taishim Johnson mixing in, not just with the second team, getting some reps with the ones, man. What has been your general impression of those guys, of what they bring and how they can help the defense? Yes, sir. I've been very impressed. I just, I just tell them to stay in their playbook. Just know what you're doing before you go on the field. We hear that all the time about stay in your playbook. How much different is it 
compared to high school. I know it seems pretty obvious, but the verbiage, the concepts, what you've got to know on the fly, is it a significant step up? What is that like? It's just, like, high school, like, you don't get to teach as well like you do in college. But, like, it's just, everything's just faster. <clears throat> everything very fast, more physical. So that's, that's really the big difference. Wilson Love is the most insane guy, and I say that in the most endearing way possible. He's at 100 all the time, man. What's that like? I mean, what kind of energy does he bring every single day at practice? <laughs> I think he would take you to a ca- caffeine. <laughs> but, um, like, his energy, it just give up energy. You know, like, seeing him every, each and every day coming, like, it just is motivational, and it's, it's like he just give us energy. Yeah, y'all are human beings. I mean, y'all don't want to be coming to practice every single day. There are times when you just aren't feeling it. So is that energy that he brings important in terms of there is a tangible effect that it has for those days where maybe you're just not that quite into it? Yeah, like some days, you know, you wake up, you be like, you don't want to do things. You know, you like, you don't feel like pressing. Like when you get up here, like get loosened up, see love going crazy, it just... It just give you energy. For a group that really struggled defensively last year, has there been a common battle cry or just something y'all rallied around as far as what y'all's main focus overall has been as a defense? One thing that y'all kind of all followed, kept as your North Star as you try to get better this spring. We just more, we were more in our playbook. Like, we know everything we're doing now. Like, um... It's just just different. Yeah, Otis Reese for a full year. Jacob Springer, he's finally eligible. We've already talked about all the newcomers. It looks different. When you're out there, you can see it. Even if you're like me and a football layman, you can see y'all look different. Yeah, it's way different. We got a whole, like, we don't want low-fat practice. Like, we want everybody everybody on the defense side to get to the ball. We just, we don't want to show no signs of, like, of we tired. None of that. We just want to, like, be that that defense. Do you yourself have a personal goal for this year? I just want to, like, be dominant. I just want to, like, get TFL. I just want to, you know, have, a, like, a breakout year. That's all. I asked Tyler Knight this last week when he was on the podcast. I got to ask you, too. You're a Mississippi kid. The Egg Bowl, winning that game, what did it mean to you? It's the first time you'd won the Egg Bowl? Does it mean something more to a Mississippi guy? Yeah, that was the game. Because, like, you know, a lot of guys on the other side of the ball, so after the game, you talk. Like, you before when they beat us, like, all you heard was, like, y'all like this, y'all like that. So, like, it's just different because, like, that's a different type of rivalry because, like, you know everybody on that side of the ball. That's what I was going to say. All you Mississippi kids, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, doesn't matter. Y'all all knew each other. Y'all went through those camps together, the Miss Al game together. Y'all know each other, so I'm sure it's a year-round thing. Whoever wins, you're going to hear about it. Yeah, you're going to hear the rest of the year, even next year before the games. You're going to hear all, every time you go anywhere, you play for Ole Miss, or y'all lost to Mississippi State, so it's, it's different. Interesting, too, in your case, you never won the Egg Bowl before. You'd never been to a bowl. You got both last year. Did it finally feel like what you signed up for when you committed to Ole Miss three years ago? Yeah, like, Ole Miss, like, growing up, <clears throat> like, I never liked Ole Miss because I, I was an Alabama fan. So, like, I wanted to, like, be that team that, like, beat Alabama, beat these teams, you know what I'm saying? So, I want us to be, like, the bad guys. So, that's what I like. Wait, 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 wait. An Alabama fan? <laughs> How did you end up at Ole Miss? Oh no! We as I got older, I was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but come on, Alabama—that was your team. Mississippi State's obviously coming after you. You didn't even care about Ole Miss, so how did you end up here? What made them the spot for you? It was the coach, like Freddie Roach. It was like, it was like a father figure. Like it was like something. He was just different. Like he got me here, really. Does Randall Joyner kind of feel a lot like Freddie Roach in that respect, as far as how you relate to him and? Just the relationship overall? He's like one of them guys, like, he's like a big brother. 
But he also had every brother, like, you got to listen to him. You better listen to him. So, like, he he just teaching us so many different things. And, like, he's just working. He's almost junior defensive lineman Quentin Bivens. Thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate you. Best of luck next season. We'll do it again. I appreciate you, too. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.